and I'd like to welcome you to a new exciting podcast I'm premiering today. It is the FCPA Compliance Report International Edition. With the globalization of compliance, both in terms of investigation, enforcement, and most importantly, with the doing or operationalization of compliance, I thought it would be an appropriate time to begin to talk to international compliance specialists. Today, for my first uh, guest, I have a good friend of my seminal podcast, the FCPA Compliance Report, Carlos Ayers. Carlos is a partner at Medea Ayers and Cerubi in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He is, Carlos and I discussed the recent development in Latin America uh, stemming from the Odebrecht scandal where federal prosecutors in Brazil and 10 other countries recently announced they had agreed to cooperate in ongoing investigations surrounding not only Odebrecht, but other companies which are alleged to have engaged in bribery and corruption in Latin America. We also take a look at the increasing use uh, or incorporation of compliance into Brazilian companies and what that means for doing compliance going forward. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the inaugural episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, the International Edition. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to the first international edition of the FCPA Compliance Report. I can't think of a better person to have on for the first international edition than Carlos Ayers, a founding partner at Medea Ayers and Sarubi a law firm in Sao Paulo. Carlos, a longtime, um, uh, many-time guest on this podcast previously and has graciously agreed to uh, join us. So, uh, Carlos, welcome. Hi, Tom. Uh, It's a pleasure uh, to participate on this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Carlos, we've had some really interesting news come out of both uh, Latin America and Brazil specifically. And so I wanted to see if you could maybe uh, enlighten some of the listeners in North America. And I'd like to start with the continent-wide, the South American continent-wide task force on anti-corruption. It it seems to be uh, prosecutors from most countries in in Latin America have, uh, South America, have gotten together and uh, agreed to jointly uh, investigate and perhaps even prosecute bribery and corruption, and I was just wondering if you could flesh it out and give us a little more details. Sure. Uh, uh, The federal prosecutors uh, from 11 countries uh, met in Brasilia uh, on February uh, 16 this year uh, to discuss international cooperation in connection to investigations involving uh, possible wrongdoing uh, related to Odebrecht uh, and its employees. So the countries that participated uh, in that meeting uh, was uh, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Mexico, Panama, Peru, Portugal, uh, the Dominican Republic, uh, and Venezuela. So the idea uh, was to create an international uh, task force uh, to uh, investigate and prosecute uh, Odebrecht uh, and its uh, employees. Uh, it's unclear uh, what the impact of this task force uh, will be, uh, but just in the context of the car wash uh, uh, operation, 
uh, and based on information uh, provided by the federal uh, prosecutors, uh, as of February 23, 2017, there had been 131 requests for international cooperation in the context of the car wash operation. Uh, 103 of those requests were sent by Brazil uh, to 31 countries, and Brazil also received uh, 21 requests uh, from 15 countries for cooperation. So I think uh, this new uh, task force uh, helps uh, the prosecutor when they get together uh, to share uh, information. Uh, and I also think uh, these meetings, uh, uh, in addition to serve as a forum for the prosecutors to interact, uh, the prosecutors uh, learn from each other. So I think uh, the Brazilian prosecutors, they are uh, very sophisticated. Uh, and some of that sophistication, I think, also is related to the experience shared among uh, the different authorities. So one uh, should expect the same level of questions uh, that the DOJ and SEC make, for example, when they evaluate uh, an internal uh, investigation uh, in the U.S. So questions like when the conduct was discovered, what was done to reduce risks, what was done to preserve documents, when documents were preserved, what is the methodology of the investigation. These are questions that the Brazilian authorities are making to the companies that are uh, 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 interacting with them. And I think uh, these uh, should be also uh, expected in some extent uh, in these uh, uh, other uh, uh, countries uh, as well. Uh, so uh, it, with respect to the Odebrecht, uh, 78 executives uh, related to Odebrecht in Braskem, uh, they signed uh, plea agreements. Uh, and early this week, uh, the chief prosecutor uh, in Brazil asked the Supreme Court uh, to start uh, around 80 investigations uh, in connections to politicians and other hundreds of investigations uh, uh, related to non-politicians. So uh, the Brazilian authorities uh, do have uh, some information about conducts that took place uh, overseas. So we should expect uh, to see uh, enforcement actions in these other countries uh, as well. So. To finalize on the car wash, uh, the car wash uh, has been uh, very active uh, for some time and will continue to be uh, as these new uh, cooperation statements are going to become uh, public uh, very soon in the coming days. So more uh, investigations uh, are, are going to continue to be done, but uh, we should see how that will develop, because I believe uh, that the pace uh, might slow down uh, a little bit, uh, especially because many of these cases are being handled by uh, superior courts, which are the, uh, uh, the courts that, as a general uh, proposition, uh, they have jurisdiction to investigate uh, politicians, and they do not move uh, as fast as the uh, 
federal uh, district court uh, in uh, uh, Curitiba. But this is an interesting development to see all these authorities uh, working together, uh, meeting together, and once they uh, they meet, that also helps uh, sharing uh, of uh, information. So, Carlos, the uh, the second thing that I wanted to visit with you about, um, I, I really find that it ties into the first, but specifically, there's been a fair amount of publicity in the United States about Brazilian companies moving to create or enhance corporate compliance programs, sometimes for the first time, sometimes upgrades, really starting uh, with Petrobras at the top, but it's moved far beyond simply Petrobras. Are you seeing that development in uh, your, from your clients or any of the folks that you work with? Yes, Tom, uh, I think that's a fair uh, statement. Uh, that's a movement uh, that started uh, some years ago and were driven uh, initially by companies that were subjected uh, to the FCPA. So it was very common uh, for them, uh, especially in pharmaceutical and IT, IT industry, to require their distributors to have a compliance program as a condition for them uh, to do business with these multinationals. So then uh, in 2013, Brazil passed uh, the Clean Companies Act, uh, which is a very uh, harsh law with uh, uh, severe sanctions like fine up to 20% of the gross uh, revenue, uh, suspension uh, of activities, uh, prohibition to receive uh, incentives. And for the first time, uh, the law in Brazil uh, gave it credit for companies that have an anti-corruption compliance program, because before that, uh, even uh, if a company had a state-of-art compliance program, uh, the company uh, would get uh, no credit uh, for it. So as a result uh, of uh, this new law and a strong uh, enforcement, uh, uh, we saw an increase uh, in companies uh, implementing uh, their uh, compliance programs uh, in Brazil or uh, updating uh, their uh, program. And other countries uh, follow it, uh, like uh, Colombia and Peru, they passed uh, new, new legislation, and the new, the, the new legislation also uh, address uh, the, uh, the compliance program. So uh, this strong enforcement and the new law were also uh, uh, drives for companies to create and increase uh, uh, their uh, compliance program. And it's interesting because the other day I was reading an article in a, in a well-known uh, uh, newspaper in Brazil uh, that says that compliance these days uh, has become a tool for companies to retain uh, uh, talents. And the article was saying that uh, the difficulties that many of the employees uh, that work in companies that were implicated in the car wash uh, are having to find new jobs and many of these companies are divesting. So uh, that's an interesting uh, aspect and, and compliance 
has been something that is on on the news uh, often time. Uh, and you mentioned, and this is public information, that uh, uh, Petrobras now requires uh, its vendors to have a compliance uh, program uh, as a condition uh, to do business with them. So compliance is not even more uh, a, a, a business advantage. It's a really a need to have uh, for many companies in Brazil uh, to do business. And uh, I think here it's important also uh, to address uh, that, uh, especially for multinationals, uh, enhancing their local uh, programs uh, is that the scope of the local laws uh, uh, is broader uh, than uh, corruption. So the law in Brazil covers also fraud in public procurement, even if it's not related to uh, uh, corruption. And there is a very thin line of what can and cannot be done in the context of public procurement. Uh, so uh, the office of the uh, Comptroller General uh, in Brazil, uh, CGU, which is now the Ministry of Transparency, uh, issue guidance uh, in which they highlight this aspect of the scope of the local law, uh, and they give guidance in terms of the compliance program, and this material is also available uh, in English. Uh, another aspect is for the, uh, the companies uh, doing business in Brazil that they need to tropicalize uh, uh, their program. And I think here, I often see examples uh, in trainings uh, in which the example is that, you know, somebody took uh, a client to play golf, but nobody really plays golf in Brazil. So, uh, and, and the focus end up being a lot of the, on the FCPA, of course, it's important to talk about the FCPA if a company is subject to it. But the local enforcement uh, is very strong. So when you highlight also the local enforcement, the local cases, then it becomes more uh, uh, tangible. Another example, it's audit rights that often do not work and courts are not used to it. Uh, so companies need to pay attention otherwise and have good clause, otherwise uh, enforcement and the, the enforcing such clause can be expensive uh, and time-consuming. But overall, I would say uh, that uh, we are uh, where U.S. was like 10 years ago uh, in terms of uh, anti-corruption. But I think we are moving uh, in the right direction and we are moving uh, very fast. So one of the things that intrigued me, uh, we have talked about it uh, a little bit in a prior podcast, though, is that with this uh, continent-wide uh, agreement between prosecutors to both investigate and perhaps enforce, um, I would think that companies that have done business in any of those countries would now need to uh, really take a look at their uh, business connections, their third parties, and any issues with a much wider variety of companies than, than simply Odebrecht, which we did talk about before. And I see the business response in Brazil that you've just articulated for us, Carlos, as really the first step in what might be a continent-wide approach 
to uh, a business solution to the issue of or the legal uh, the laws coming into four, uh, preventing bribery and corruption. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see or understand if you see your clients really understanding that this is now a South American issue in terms of what they need to do to be prepared for an investigation. I think so, uh, Tony. And you touch a very important point because uh, a lot has been said about uh, Odebrecht and their uh, settlement in the U.S. specifically mentioned uh, different countries. But if we look at the construction companies that were involved uh, in wrongdoing uh, in Brazil, they also do have uh, business uh, in Latin America, in many countries, uh, in Africa, and elsewhere. So if they were doing this uh, here, uh, it's possible that they were doing this uh, elsewhere. So I think uh, uh, it's important for companies uh, to look uh, on the business uh, uh, in other uh, jurisdictions with these uh, entities uh, uh, as well. So uh, that's an important uh, development, and uh, it's important to, to pay attention to what these companies were doing in other countries uh, as well. Carlos, you also recently uh, spoke uh, here in the United States, and I think it was to uh, Georgetown Law School. Yes, I gave a presentation uh, Could you tell us about two that? weeks ago. <clears throat> sure. Uh, it was an, uh, a very uh, interesting uh, experience. One of my former uh, students of a compliance course that I teach here uh, in Sao Paulo, she is now an LLM student at uh, Georgetown, uh, and uh, she invited me to talk to the LLM about uh, the scenario uh, that uh, of anti-corruption scenario in Brazil, uh, what makes uh, the car wash uh, operation so uh, successful uh, in what we should uh, expect. Uh, and I was very surprised because uh, it was uh, a really packed uh, uh, session, a lot of people, and interestingly, there were many people uh, from uh, countries uh, in which Brazilian companies are alleged to have paid bribes uh, in the context of the car wash. So that drove uh, a lot of attention. Uh, uh, one in, uh, topic that we discussed a lot was uh, about whether or not the double jeopardy clause uh, would apply. Uh, and uh, we discussed that a lot. And one thing to take into consideration uh, in that regard uh, is that uh, we have conduct that took place in different countries, right? So if we look, for example, at the Odebrecht uh, settlement, uh, part of the conduct took place uh, in the U.S where meetings uh, in which uh, unlawful conducts were discussed according to uh, the settlement agreements, and also the New York banks were used uh, to pay bribes. So it's not really a double jeopardy. The double jeopardy clause would not apply because there were conducts that took in different countries. So uh, it was a very uh, 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 interesting uh, 
section and very uh, interactive with the Georgetown LLM students. So, Carlos, uh, how is uh, the new firm coming along? Well, it has been uh, very good. Uh, we uh, put together a new firm with a boutique uh, format, and we are doing uh, uh, compliance work, uh, internal investigations, uh, government uh, enforcement uh, uh, case litigation in that context, and a lot of uh, uh, pre-acquisition uh, due diligence. Uh, many of the uh, Brazilian companies are divesting. Uh, some of them are uh, mentioned uh, in different uh, uh, enforcement actions. Uh, and this uh, has been something that we have been very busy uh, for the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and I'm enjoying, I'm having uh, a good time uh, and uh, the work uh, uh, has been uh, good. It's a good moment uh, to do uh, compliance work in Brazil. And I think the country uh, is moving uh, in the right direction. Well, that's uh, that's certainly good news. I think uh, on all fronts. I think you're right. Uh, it, it is a, a fantastic moment for Brazil in uh, the realm of anti-corruption, and you're well suited to to be a part of that going forward. Unfortunately, we're there near the end of our time, Carlos. But I was wondering if anyone wanted to email you, um, could uh, uh, could you give out your email address? Sure, absolutely. Carlos Iris uh, at uh, maedairis.com Well, Carlos, I really look forward to uh, having continuing reports for the FCPA Compliance Report International Edition from you and Brazil. And thank you very much for taking the time to visit with uh, myself and my listeners. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you again for listening to the inaugural edition of the FCPA Compliance Report, the International Edition. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us as it would help our rankings and more importantly, Spread the word about this new, exciting, and solo podcast on compliance from the international perspective. Also, if you have any questions, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the FCPA Compliance Report, the International Edition. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.